Welcome to Serially Hooked Star Wars. We're your hookers, Chris and Rashad. And today, hold on to your hats because Chris has sold his soul or burned his decency for someone else's future. <gasps> um, we have less stuff coming for you over the next couple of weeks uh, as things start to slow down in the, I don't know, fandom world. I hate to use the word fandom, but here we are. In the middle of the week, we'll have a random conversation about something that is a surprise to both of us. Or and <laughs> <laughs> and at the end of the week or next weekend, we hope to also talk about Andor season eleven, not season eleven, episode eleven. It's crazy how the season is coming to a wind up, and uh, only a couple more episodes left. How you feeling, Chris? I'm feeling. I mean, I'm sad. I'm sad that this show is going to end soon, but I'm grateful for the time we have with it <laughs> and with that one way out indeed that is definitely the quote of this episode also the title of the episode yes what an episode for Chris. reasons yes what, what a episode. fucking episode <laughs> i i don't know where to even begin with my thoughts other than the fact that this show is like just it's just with every subsequent episode the show gets better and better and better and mm-hmm. and reaches heights that i just don't think are possible and then it's going closer and closer to just the top of the lists of everything like it's reaching the top of the year list it's i mean if it keeps at this pace it'll reach an all-time list like this show is just so so good and even though we know what's coming we know a prison break is coming and i mean you know it's a spy show so you're gonna have a spy who is gonna talk about have a monologue about his 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 i don't know hopes and dreams and desires and sacrifices and we get that too and these are things that we you know they're just they're tropes of television and movies and we expect them but in the way that they are executed from the beginning to the end, it is an absolute joy. And I don't have any other word other than to say it is spectacular. It really is. I mean, I feel, I feel like we, we say this every week, but I'm just so happy. This this show is, as you said, it is not just good for Star Wars in, in Star Wars terms, but it's just a really good show in general. And I have actually talked to people who started watching this not really, you know, being familiar with Star Wars. And they say that you you don't really have to be familiar with Star Wars to watch and enjoy the show. And I think that's that's a great thing. And yeah, it's, it's just incredible. I'm so happy about it. This is probably the second Star Wars show that I'm, I'm I would be very happy about if there was a second season. Um, and yeah, I mean, I guess they can only do seasons so far (laughs) until the beginning of Rogue One, but, um, maybe, maybe it is also, you know, maybe it's also good if they, if they just keep it at one season, I don't know, you know, better, better to do a really good one season show than to ruin it with something subsequent seasons. But I'm just, yeah, this, this show has everything. It gives me everything that I want from a Star Wars show and more. And yeah, this episode has so much gold in it. I'm so sorry to like, I was so, tr- I was trying so hard not to interrupt there because I mean, this show has been confirmed to have 24 episodes, two seasons. Like that was from the yeah. beginning. <laughs> so just so that you know, <laughs> there is season yeah. two coming and it is a contained story between those two seasons doesn't surprise me honestly yeah just so that you know and the the listener knows as well what to expect so this first half of the show will be ending with two more episodes left after this and the next 12 seasons are actually shooting or starting shooting now they're already i think in london shooting as of this week so i think things are going well down the pipeline really really well done and i think i mean your point to you don't have to be a star wars fan to watch a show i think is really apt because it has a completely different flavor and nuance to it because it just doesn't behold itself to Star Wars fandom in a way. It doesn't converse with Star Wars fandom by having cameos or whatever. Even even aliens is like a reduction of the uses of those of, of like non-humanoid species. Like it's very grounded in humanity in a way that it feels just like any other Tony Goldroy production. When you have a a 
um, a corrupt emp- empire or a corrupt strong um, institution that you want to up- upend in a way that he, I mean it's just it, it is a story as you know as all this time colonialism and uh, and manipulation and power and and fighting for freedom in a way and all these things are just you know you I think it's a great compliment to the show that you don't have to have star wars fandom to watch the show at all but having this but that with that said knowing star wars and loving star wars adds so much depth to it in a way that is just it it just adds it's just incredible Uh, so in on the one hand i think if you (laughs) actually at this point if if no one's ever seen anything related to star wars this is where you should begin (laughs) (laughs) yeah absolutely and is this the first episode that we don't see the, uh, I've, uh, I'm blanking on his name right now, but the uh, former deputy security yeah, person? Yeah, this is no serial in this episode. First one. Yeah. So, I mean, take it or leave it. Probably good after last week's performance, but I'm sure we're going <laughs> to get a big serial episode next week. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. And I mean, you know, they had bigger things this episode. It's mostly been the uh, prison so oh, we might not have seen him on the Aldani heist episode, the one where they actually mm. had the whole episode heist. Uh, yeah. But I mean, the, the point being, he isn't here. And Miro mm-hmm. is also very n- almost not here. She has one yes. little scene here. And in that one scene, my one note is that I love watching her cook. She's just so good. And like, <laughs> it's it's almost Thrawn like in the way that she's able to see things 10 steps yes. ahead of head. And it's just. I mean, for all of the things that Rebels was bad at, Thrawn was the best thing to come out of Rebels in my mind. Um, I mm-hmm. mean, there are others, th- other good things <gasps> like Hera about, Chopper. What about Chopper and Hera? I, Hera Chopper are my favorite things. I think uh, Thrawn is the best thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fair enough. I, I choose my wording very carefully. <laughs> mm-hmm. Very good. But I mean, this show, uh, yeah, very episode, very light episode on Mira, Miro, sorry, and, and Cyril. Probably for the better, because this episode, as you said, had so much in it already. So, should we talk about it? What actually is in it? Um, a couple things before we get into actual of specific course. scenes. Of course. <laughs> I mean, you you jumped the gun with uh, <laughs> with transitioning. <laughs> I'm just there. trying to bring some structure into this show. <laughs> no such thing as structure. It's a free flowing conversation. No, audience I know, members. I I'm just messing with you. So, um, a question though, before you know, what do you think about? We had a quick scene in Ferex. And Cinta is there. What did what do you think Cinta's doing? And do you think that you know there's a scene that or there's a shot where it insinuates that she's being followed? Um, who yeah. do you think that is? What do you think is going on there? Any ideas? Yeah, I I thought about this as well, and my first thought was this was probably someone ISB related. That that wouldn't interest. That wouldn't surprise me. Um, yeah. But also, how how the hell did they get to know about her? Who knows? But it it'd be really something if that was an like basically one of Luthen's people spying on her. Um, but I mean, I can't imagine it not being something Empire related. So uh, it must be that I'm pretty sure. But yeah, that also yeah points to things to come on there for sure my thought was that it's an isb person and they were because they had mentioned that they are watching marva so i think that he they you know he's there to watch marva and then he catches this other person also spying on marva and then that would lead them to not find vel or luthan or whatever but you know it's it starts the domino effect of everything collapsing potentially Mm -hmm. speaking so I think yeah. that was a really interesting shot. And in an episode that was really focused on the prison with the prison break, spoiler alert, and this one uh, monologue at the end, which we'll definitely, definitely get to. Yes. <laughs> it is like, it's a notable shot that they had this one little scene with Cinta, which you could on a side note throw it away. But I think it's really important that it is here so we can see and check up what's going on. Yeah, with everything and with how important the the prison break is, Every other scene that they include in this episode must be meaningful. So, you know, definitely perked up when I saw that. And also the them talking about Marva getting sick. Like we know Marva's gonna die. I mm. mean they're they're like they're hinting at it here I mean, and yeah. it's so sad already. Yeah. 
the the only question is how is uh how is uh Cassian gonna find out is he going to find out afterwards or you know do we have a brief reunion um i can't wait i, we'll I can't out. wait man this episode is so good <laughs> i remember so like so when i you know watched the episode i kind of watched start watching it and then eventually i started taking notes this time, I literally just, like, from the first second, because the way the show opens, it's so, like, mm. intense back and forth. Like, it feels, like, right after, like, 60 seconds after the last episode picked up or ended. And it is just, like, it, you have to start taking notes absolutely immediately. It's it's so it's so good. And it is just, from the get-go, this episode was, was on fire. And, mm-hmm. I mean, and, yeah, I just, it is amazing. Um, but considering that this episode was one large set piece, meaning the prison break, with a couple added stuff, how do you want to handle our conversation of the different scenes in this episode? Yeah, it's kind of similar to to the Aldani heist in which we have one big set piece, so it's difficult to really pick scenes. But I kind of managed to find four that I think, you know, kind of stick out. And I guess we can try to do our usual. Let's do it. I have my four as well. Okay. So what's, what's your number your four? Number four? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can start. It's fine. Um, my number four actually is the conversation on Coruscant uh, about the funds with Mon Mothma. And I forget the the gangsters or whatever name. Davo. Um, Davo, okay. Which, is that a hint towards Davos? <laughs> That'd be pretty funny. Um, yeah, and you know they have the conversation, and obviously there is some verbal sparring here, and you know some theatricality. Um, but uh, you know, and I enjoyed it a lot. But obviously, the piece de resistance is at the very end that. Even though he insists that it's not, you know, he doesn't ask for her her daughter to marry his son in return for the money. Uh, he only asks for an introduction. I mean, it's still pretty clear that that's what he wants. And after he leaves, uh, we just see a visibly shocked mon mothma whose facade that she has held up really well just crumbles instantly and what a what a position to be in you know and it goes back to again a scene we'll talk about later uh with luthan about what what people are sacrificing for the rebellion and i wonder if mon mothma is going to go that far this scene is incredible. I mean, every Mon Mothma scene is incredible, but I think Davos Galden mm-hmm. coming in here, I think he brings an energy that this Mon Mothma scenes kind of needed because it was so robotic in a way. I mean, they're great, obviously, mm-hmm. but having a wild card like this just creates a different level of energy in the scene because you really never know what he's going to do. And even from the moment he enters where he starts criticizing the interior decor and talking about <laughs> he likes the old ways, but then he's like, oh, Oh, he sorry. He likes the new things, and then how the old uh, traditions of uh, marriage are a good thing. Even before he's talking about the actual proposal that he wants, so yeah. I think, and and also the line when he says, "A drop of discomfort may be the price of doing business." Like, what yeah. an incredible line! He's just like killing it, and he sees things that Mon doesn't normally, you know, get like did get caught up with, and and the way mm-hmm. that he's able to read her is just it's an incredible. Uh, relation not a relationship really just this back and forth between the two of them and the way he commands the room is a different level of character that we've than we've seen so far yeah he really you know has some very memorable lines i think my favorite was that being rich affords you not to care about what other people think yeah and that i think that is an observation of somebody who has gotten into money and not wasn't born into it because somebody who was born into it just takes it for granted and could probably not make that observation. And he just knows 
to you know he know he just knows about the power of wealth mm, much more than other people i mean he's he's incredible and the way he's able to balance the subtle politicking with the ferocity and mm-hmm. like i said it's just yeah so i was always wondering what was going on with the mother-daughter relationship there and why there was always that they made it seemed like every time they cut to them they made a point of making sure that it's a fraught relationship so i was like okay Mm -hmm. what's this what's going to happen with this and here it is so we get the roadmap now and it all comes in this scene and this is really laying out how she's going to conflict with her daughter at some point and what's going to happen there and potentially fracture her entire home base on coruscant leading to what we see in rebels when she escapes on the ghost yeah i think we you know i i've always felt with her i feel like she cares about her relationship with to her daughter but you know obviously as you said it is very fraught and also she is not happy about her arranged marriage which we have seen previously and now the thought of her forcing her own daughter into one is just heartbreaking but well done and well planned by Davos Golden. He knows what's going on. Yes, and absolutely. Ah, so great. I love it so much. So what's your number four? So uh, just as a precursor, my the Coruscant scene was my number three. So just so that we all know. Oh, there you go. And uh, yeah, my number four is the opening scene here um, of, the se- of the episode. That's my number three. <laughs> oh, look at us Perfect. go. I mean, yeah. also, to be fair, there's only real four sequences in this episode. And yeah. <laughs> the top two are... I wonder if we're going to have the same top two or they'll be reversed. I guess we'll find out later. <laughs> Tune in. So this scene. My favorite thing about it was when Kino... Not Kino. Andor starts talking about pa- power. And how power doesn't panic. Mm-hmm. What a great line and an understanding of the empire and you know the fragility of certain of this within that. Because Endor understands how things work, and I just thought to myself, reflecting on ideas of power and relationships between those who are you know weak and those who are able to be you know um, overthrown. I think that is just such an apt perspective in a way that it's it shows that when you are when you feel you are vulnerable then you start to lash out and that's what again it connects to the theme of this season which is that oppression breeds rebellion and Luthen is pushing mm-hmm. the empire in this way that pushes them to then lash out and they start to act in a way that is kind of panicky in a large level and this is the you know the man the the the, not the emancipation. What's the word I'm looking for? The uh, an example of that in a small in, in a small contained perspective here on the on the on the prison. So I, was just, I thought obviously that the intensity with which, with which the episode starts incredible. The line, of course, that Andy Circus does then eventually kind of pair it back when Andor here says, "I'd rather die trying to take them out than giving them what they want." What a great line, of course, and it comes out here. Uh, but I think this there was a nuanced relationship or a nuanced discussion here about the nature of power and what does it mean mm-hmm. to hold on to power when you feel like it's slipping through your through your hands or slipping through your grasp. So I thought just what an incredible episode, uh, beginning to an episode that just really set the tension level so high that this show was was able to top it in a way that I wasn't expecting. Yeah, and as you said, it it just goes. We see what is discussed in this seen throughout the episode and it comes back multiple times so what a great what a great way to open a show and my number two i had a i had a hard time there are two great things later on it's interesting i think i had a really easy time picking between the two and i wonder if we went the same way or not well i my number two is the prison break same yay (laughs) it doesn't surprise me kind of now that i think about it but i mean it's just an incredible sequence it's it's so it's just so you're just you're just so wrapped up in it and you know you're just kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop but also you're just cheering with them their liberation and obviously kino's speech which is just also a funny moment with uh, Cassian just kind of 
managing him <laughs> it's like this is all you have and you, you can do better than that and everything and then later he has the impassioned speech and uh, that is you know intercut with the scenes of the multiple levels just rebelling and rising up and culminating in kind of a sad scene where kino says he can't swim and uh and ando wants to help him but is is kind of moved away by, by the crowd into the water uh, i hope kino makes it out there um but <clears throat> but a gr just a great great moment just a great i mean obviously it is what the episode is kind of about mostly but it's it's just so good such such well executed in the best possible way well okay first off hats off to andy circus what a performance yes we have to start that this whole sequence begins and ends with him in my mind mm -hmm. and how many how many amazing characters we've had in this show that are are just so important to the character and to the show and are not kind of you know are not main characters though and it's just incredible even like even like davos earlier he's so impactful and everything and it's just like he he just shows up in episode 10 yeah i mean uh, tony gilroy is famous for saying that there are no small parts in his work and yeah. that really comes to through in this episode or this whole season mm -hmm. because from everyone that we've seen even from the from the boy and his father in Ferex who run the mm -hmm. the radio tower to mm -hmm. Bix to Tim fucking Tim <laughs> uh, um, all these people who just kind of go you know in and out they all have consequences on what's on screen so an incredible you know from A to Z this show is atten paying attention to detail and I think that's an incredible uh, you know marker of its quality so about the scene in particular in an interview tony gilroy was talking about the scene and he talked about how this is the moment especially in the brig where um, andy circus gives the speech is the moment where cassian learns to find his leadership because mm -hmm. the journey with which he goes that which he goes on in this little mini arc where he goes to prison he kind of arranges this rebellion and then kind of comes out of it is is an exercise in leadership and in a way that he understands that he needs to be able to empower those around him to be their best. And he does that in such a way for Kino's character to prod him to really understand his role versus Cassian's role versus every single person uh, in in the prison. So empowering Kino to give a speech that will arise a rebellion throughout the entire prison is an absolutely incredible masterclass in leadership and in a way that you know in a, in a lesser show or in another show it would have been cassian giving the speech but we understand based on their relationships and based on how kino's presence as a shift manager and as a, a veteran of this facility he shouldn't be the one to do it oh, sorry cassian shouldn't be the one to do this it should it should be kino and cassian realizes this and there is leadership there is such actually you could, i would argue even the best leaders know their limitations and know the strengths of others and are able to put people in a position to succeed for everyone's benefit. And this is Cassian doing that in a nutshell. And even on a on a bigger scale, I would say it is a very simple lesson, but you know, he is kind of a lone wolf purse type of person. He just wants to do everything on his own, but he couldn't it, he wouldn't be able to break out of this prison alone, and I think this also is a great lesson for him in that regard well i think that this show is doing great in a, in a sort of creating a, or crafting a character it is showing us the traits that cassian has learned or but well by the time we get to rogue one and it, it is mm -hmm. this all of this is just background for a singular character so we can see where does cassian get his attachment to a group or understand that things have to be accomplished in groups you know, as as opposed to someone like Sakurera, for example, it is because mm -hmm. of something like his experience in the prison. What allows him to empower Jin Erso to take the lead in the in the battle on Scarif? Something like understanding leadership and and putting people, other people, in position and power. So these kinds of character traits that are all wrapped up into a singular 
experience are all delved out in this in this sequence and understanding every single thing and how it all ties together and builds up you can see the directionality in a way that is it's it's really good because it's a prequel done at its best in the sense that we're not wondering what's happening we don't really care about the plot but the execution of it mm-hmm. and understanding the nuance of the character you're building and knowing where the end goal actually enhances your viewing experience of the the show on a week to week basis I was going to say, watch this, George Lucas. That's how you do prequels. Fucking A, man. It's incredible. <laughs> and of course, I think my favorite line from this particular speech is when Andy Serkis says, if we can fight half as hard as we have been working, we will be home in no time. And the way that he yeah. says it was such delivery. Oh, incredible. And then also at the end, the heartbreaking sequence when he says that he can't swim. And the way that, I mean, what a way to die. Like, he's got, obviously he's dead in my yeah. mind. There's no way he's yeah, coming out I of this. Yeah, I think so. I think so, And too. it's just, but it's it's heartbreaking in a way. But in another way, he it, it's, it's actually interesting to me. So I, I actually want to ask you this question. Do you think he knew that he would have to have to have to figure a way, a way out to swim? And then he was actually, this is, he knew that this was the end sequence, that he was going to die anyways. Or do you think that, this was a surprise to him. And then he, um, you know, at the last minute, just like, oh, shit, I'm, I'm going to die. I think unconsciously, maybe he was aware of it. But in my in my interpretation of it, he was he's just been in this prison for so long that he forgot that it's surrounded by water. So he only really realized it at the very end. Um, obviously, it would make things more even more powerful if he was aware the entire time but even so like yeah again we're talking about sacrifices and he's he's doing this for the kind of the greater good in a in a way like he has enabled so many other people and liberated them through his actions and it is a sad sad thing but it is also what a legacy that so many people are now free would have otherwise been dead and imprisoned their entire life so yeah i'm I'm not sure but i think he wasn't he wasn't really consciously aware of it until the end yeah that's my read on it as well but i think that in the end it's a, a willing or not a willing but a satisfying ending to his life because he dies free yeah and that's incredible he dies not only free but he dies knowing that he's accomplished freedom and mm-hmm. he dies on his own terms. And, I mean, it sucks. To pro- he probably gets pushed by the crowd and he drowns. But mm-hmm. it is... Uh, but also, like, another indication of how good this show is, is that they don't linger on this at all. It's just... It, mm. In capturing the chaos of the escape, it's just like a quick sequence. Oh, I can't... And then Cassian is like, oh my god, what, what, what's going on? And then all of a sudden it's gone. And yeah. if you blink, you miss it. And what that's just... Oh man, it's just so good. Again, a lesser show would have done a slow mo, like "Oh my god," (laughs) or even, or even show us the drowning, or even show us something else, or even kill him another way. But the chaos of it and the ability to move on and move forward is is capturing the moment of what's on screen and portraying it to us so that we can not only experience what's happening but how it's happening and how the characters are experiencing what's going on in their own lives it's it's just phenomenal it's i have no other words to say just like it's absolutely incredible (laughs) and that on top of the fact that the plan was we haven't even talked about the actual escape plan incredible plan (laughs) really cool like r.i.p to the guy who got electrocuted and r.i.p to the like climbing guy as well poor guys both Mm. of them and it's just Great plan from start to finish, thought through really well. And again, when Andor says, like, don't die until you put up a fight, what an incredible thing. Mm-hmm. And then obviously this the the scene of screaming or chanting one way out, one way out as they're climbing up and <laughs> running around, like completely memorable. One of those, you know, similar to the Aldani, like um the scene in the sky with all the the brilliant colors. It's one of those scenes that you just will know you'll remember. 
and then yeah. also the, the the guards cowering in the in the little storage closet as the all the prisoners <laughs> are rampaging out it's just yeah top to bottom the heist itself was incredibly done like we've spent the entire time talking about two things andy circus his speech and him dying and we haven't even talked about most of the scene yeah, I know. I did wonder the two guys in the brig that kind of, you know, that are the uh, officers. What's going to happen to them because they enabled all of it. They would they should probably go into hiding too as well. Like right now. After, I have after a feeling this. that the ISP is going to come and then interrogate them to death basically. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I think as well. Like they're not going to get out of this alive. And yeah, I mean, I guess, I mean I can't I can't be too uh empathetic because they're you know they're imperial prisoners prison wards but uh still it's like oh that's that's not gonna end well for them um so yeah i don't know but yeah the entire sequence is just incredible and yeah it goes back to something you said just now they they don't linger on things you know one of the of cassian's group is one of the first people to get killed and they also give it a few seconds and one of the them gives the co- like the cops basically a look of shock and remorse and grief but because of how grounded in reality this is you don't have time to to really grieve in the moment you have to you know your top priority is to get out of there and then you can mourn later and yeah, it just has an incredible dynamic, this entire sequence. And yeah, the chant is so powerful. Um, yeah, just amazing. And then we get to what is in <laughs> my mind, the best scene of this entire show so far. Uh-huh. And I, I think I actually, if you don't mind, I want to break this conversation up into two parts because sure. there is this, this scene in the elevator and then the scene before he asks the question, what do you sacrifice? And then there is the monologue. Oh, I had a totally different scene. No, just kidding. <laughs> For a second, I was just like, oh my God, what am I doing? I know. <laughs> but either way, I mean, there is no, no other I'm scene, sorry. so. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. Sorry, go on. No, do not apologize. That was funny. So if you don't mind, I, I think Lonnie Luthen talking back and forth, is it, it, it mm. deserves its own conversation. And then, holy shit, what a monologue. And, and we'll get to mm-hmm. that. But. So first of all, it's immediately cuts from this prison break to the an underground in Coruscant. And you're like, what's going on? Where are we? Who is this guy? We mm. barely have seen this person. Who is what? And and then you slowly, you're like, oh, he's the guy from the ISB from earlier in this episode. That makes sense. Okay. All right. What's his name? We never got his name. And then obviously we get him. It's Lun- Lonnie, not Looney. And he lays out all these, you know, um, gifts to Luthen. And all this information about Miro, about uh, Krieger, about uh, all the Adani and Axis and all these things. I found it interesting that, first of all, Luthen still lies to Lani about this. It's smart. Yeah. He, he says that uh, we had we had nothing to do with Aldani. Um, but and I, I like the way he lies about it, about it, saying, oh, we were invited. But no, 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 we're not interested in this. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, it makes sense because if Lani's caught, whatever, whatever. But... It is an absolutely incredible, like the way that Lonnie kind of tries to play off that he's not actually there to quit and Luthen can really read him from beginning to end is, I think, an incredible, you know, um, also, uh, sorry, I'm just going to pivot. My thoughts are just so scatterbrained on this because it's such a good sequence. <laughs> Luthen is is dressed like a villain here. He looks like a villain. Yeah. His like dark outfit, the dark lighting of the sequence, it is an incredible. I wonder if that's a foreshadow to Luthen maybe turning against Cassian. Obviously, he's, he's mm. hiring him to kill him, but uh, well, Velas go out to kill him. But yeah, I just I found this really interesting his ability to read Lonnie in a way that is uh, you know, very apt and and um, also his ability to you know just oh fifty men Anton Krieger are going to sacrifice him. Who cares? No one cares about that. Mm-hmm. And he's doing this for him. And then Lonnie also realizes you can see the face on him. I'm not getting out of this. There's no way I can no. get out of this. And he's trapped. And and Luthen tells him, you're trapped, Lonnie. And I found that really, a really affecting, you know, a window into his, you know, he's just honest with him in a way that he's not really honest with most characters. And I think that's because of Lonnie's precarious situation. And he knows that no matter what happens to him, 
uh, he's going to get, he's stuck. And uh, I think um, the way, when he talks about, and I'm not going to get into the monologue yet, I'll give you space, of course, to speak, but when he says the double life, every day of performance, the stress about that, or the stress of that, he, in my mind, my initial note was like, he could be talking about himself, and later we learned that he is mm -hmm. talking about himself, but it is, he, he can empathize with Lonnie and his struggle and I think when he's saying that I think about you a lot I think that's actually true I don't think that's just paying lip service to make him feel better but I think in reality Luthen does think about Lonnie and I think Luthen does realize what he's doing here and you know the, the guilt that he he carries is evidence in the monologue but it I think it's just an incredible beginning to the sequence and not only like the crampedness of the 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 elevator the mechanics of it right so the how the the elevator is dank and dirty and cramped and you have to go and find the the little thing the the earpiece and then pressing the elevator but it's just like all really well crafted and just like yeah I, I just felt like I was in some dystopian futuristic world and and it's just uh yeah incredible love it I mean you are <laughs> but yeah I think that dynamic is very interesting because. Luthen has a lot of compassion for Lani, but at the same time, his sort of position means that he, in in quotation marks, needs to be cruel to him. Like there's, he ha and I think yeah, I thought I I thought it was very affecting that he does tell him the truth. Like yeah, you're you're trapped. There's nothing you can do, which is the right choice I think to to make here. And it's it's just yeah it's just incredible that dynamic. I'm I'm sure he feels kind of sorry for Lani, but at the same time he has no qualms just using him as an asset and has to you know take precautions if ever he gets caught or if ever he is not useful to the rebellion anymore and. Yeah, I think La again, great performance. Like you, the facial expressions tell you everything that goes on in Lani, uh, and he just he comes there. He's he's a little afraid, but he still says what he wants to say, and he very quickly realizes that there's no way out, and then we get the monologue, and I'm just gonna. I'm just going to sit back and mute myself for like two minutes. And uh, Rashad, the floor is yours. Only two minutes? You know me better. <laughs> yeah, I thought as well that this is a little, I'll, maybe I'll give you five, you know, like the usual Rashad rand duration. So what an incredible monologue. I, I just have, it's almost no words that can describe it other than the monologue itself. And so what I am going to do to begin this conversation is break this down line by line and talk about it because I have quoted <laughs> the entire monologue here and it is nice. It, it, everything is worth giving here. All right. So first line. So uh, Lonnie asks him, what do you sacrifice? First thing that Lucent says, calm, kindness, kinship, love. What an incredible beginning because it's not only indicative of you know sacrifices that we normally feel on a material basis or on a, on a like a quotidian basis, but it's reflective of Mon Mothma's conversation that we just saw in this episode, where he is real. He's he's saying this specifically kinship and love, those two things, and also calm because Mon Mothma is a very calm character as well, and she realizes and in this in that scene with Davo Skaldin that she might have to sacrifice her kinship and her love and her calm in the face of the in the face of what she has to do to move forward with the rebellion and is this the journey of mon mothma sacrificing all those things and becoming something more like luthen becoming more all in like luthen is here and if you think about it luthen has had a quite a lonely existence on this scene he has clea obviously his his um, assistant, but doesn't seem like it's a loving, calm relationship between the two of them. So, I thought that this is just I thought that these four words really set the tone for what Luthen has really sacrificed, and that he does realize and feel on a regular basis this sacrifice for himself. I think, yeah, it's very indicative of what is to come, and it's all those four things are just it's. 
I would say important things in a person's life in general, but also something that makes you morally good. And yes, I mean, he, he just, you know, I'm not going to go into it right now because we're going to talk about it, but he sacrifices every, basically everything that has to do with it. Yeah. I mean, and, and as I think your point with morally good is a good point because it, that's what he goes into slowly because it begins by saying, he begins by saying, I've given up all chance at inner peace. I've made my mind mm. a sunless place. I share my dreams with ghosts. What an incredible line to begin with because what a he, picture. Yeah. It's just this, okay, this monologue is. Every single word is just absolute perfection in the way that you can see the weight of the consequences of his actions on his face and in his words. I share my dreams with ghosts. Are you kidding? Who are those ghosts? All the people that he sacrificed in his entire life up to this point to even get to the point where you're starting a rebellion. He doesn't even like he does. We know. I mean, we don't know if he's alive, but we doubt that he lives to see the fruition of his work. He's one of the people that get missed in the story, the grand narrative of rebellion. If you think about it on a regular basis that we're living, think about all the people that die unknown and unnamed in any rebellion or any movement that we've seen in our own world. And this is just the grief and the life that, and the nitty gritty that has to get done for the Mon Mothmas of the world or the Leas or the Lukes and all these heroes that we ever, we get to see that stand the, the pet stand on the pedestal of victory that he has built or is built on his back. And then he yeah. begins and then he continues. <laughs> <laughs> and then he continues and says, I wake up every day to an equation I wrote 15 years ago from which there's only one conclusion. I'm damned for what I do. Whew. <laughs> he regrets what he's doing. He has to, he has to regret because he's still a human, but he realizes mm. that for a long period of his life, this is something that he's been building towards because he has no other choice, but to continue doing this because the only way out is these sorts of actions. And that is, you know, he, he, he understands that the consequences of that for his own sense of self. And this is where he begins to talk about the loss of the morality that he outlines at the beginning that you so astutely pointed out. And I think this just kind of leads forward and forward in this. So then he continues to say, my anger, my ego, my unwillingness to yield, my eagerness to f eagerness to fight, they have me on a path from which there is no escape. What an incredible recognition of not only Luthen's, you know, grief, but his, it's, it's sort of like he shows that why he can do this and why other people can't do this because he has the ability to continue and persevere unlike other people around him. He's eager to fight. He's eager to be the one to lead in this, like lead this uh, rebellion in ways that other people aren't willing to. And he utilizes the first two things, his anger and his ego for the success of everything around him. And, and I mean, the way that he can't escape, yeah, this, this connects he, to the sense that he as well feels trapped. Because so a person like Lonnie, Lonnie's looking at him being like, oh, you're walking around in the world. You're not risking anything. What are you risking? But in reality, Luth, no one is more trapped than Luthen. As, from his perspective, because Luthen himself has built this, he's he's built the prison in which he resides, unlike mm. other characters, and that is an incredible, you know, it's imagine being the one to construct your own prison and then live in a cell for the rest of your life until you know that you're going to die, and that is the place that Luthen has to live because this life that he's living is a lie on two fronts. Whew. What an incredible line. And it's an incredible it's an incredible commitment, you know. As you said, there would be many people that after a few years maybe couldn't take it anymore or just wouldn't want that kind of life. But he's all in. Yeah, and with that, he says, I yearned to be a savior against injustice without contemplating the cost. And by the time I looked down, there was no longer any ground beneath my feet. He begins his he began his journey as he says 15 years ago understanding or wanting to be 
a savior, wanting to be a messiah for the world and make everything better for everyone else. But in reality, he had to make sacrifices to his morality moving forward, and he didn't really realize what's happening. And this is kind of a sad line because it's not the actions that we choose to make that define us. It's often the actions that we make and the that the cho- the choices we make that we don't necessarily know the outcomes of it of that really end up choosing the path for us. And we like to think that we have control over the actions of, of our lives, that we know what the direction we're heading in. But in the case that we might have the most noble intentions, the choices we make might lead us in a different direction. And that is a very it's kind of, it's very sad in a way that his his character but it's also reflective of you know many people in this world of our own that we struggle with you know the the consequences of our actions that we can't foresee because we don't know what's going on in the future we might have goals for ourselves just as Luthen did to be a savior and it it goes to show that we no one is in full control of the situation even someone like Luthen mm. who seems to be at the top Whew. And then he 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 asks, he repeats the question, what is my sacrifice? I'm condemned to use the tools of my enemy to defeat them. I burn my decency for someone else's future. I burn my life to make a sunrise that I know I'll never see. I mean, is, is, is there a better line in this show? Is there a better line in television <laughs> this year? I can't think of one right now because mm. this line alone shows us so much about his character that he realizes he isn't going to be the one to reap the benefits of this. He is, as I mentioned, he is building a pedestal on top of which others will stand and their success will be known and they will be famous, but he will be the one who made it all happen. And he has to do the dirty work. He's contempt to use the tools of his enemy. He is evil just as much as the Empire does. He's gonna, he's willing to sacrifice 50 men to save one, one informant in the ISB. Like, and what did we see last week that or even this week at the consequences of the of them of the prison frying a hundred men just to keep a secret this is what this is actions of an empire and he is the one using the tool of his enemy killing innocent people for no reason just because he needs to succeed in his life and as has he he has now completely admitted to being morally bankrupt and saying that he's burned his decency and burned his own life, burned everything that he has held dear, this this dream to be a savior, to fall in sacrifice for the others around him and the future generations because he knows that's what's best for others if he himself is damned for eternity. And as he says at the, at the end, he burned his life. His life is over. And he has created a persona for himself that he has to now inhabit for the future. Yeah, the one thing I'm not and I'm I don't agree with is you just said he's content to use the means. I don't think he's content with it. He realizes that he has to do it in order to succeed. I, I mean, he's not happy about it. Um, but as opposed to so many other depictions in media where we get people saying oh no we can't do this because then we would be just like them uh which you know is a fair point a fair moral point but uh that's not the nitty-gritty of rebellion often and that's how rebellions fail sometimes and you know it's very tragic because you're trying to get the moral high ground but you know Luther obviously thinks differently and does everything for the greater cause and no matter the cost for himself or others and the question is I, f- I feel like almost he kind of gets away with it because we know it, it is to such tremendous personal cost to him that it's almost like it's not like he has like a, a second life where he can just chill at the beach on va- on vacation you know because then that would just be so much worse but because it is the dissolution of his life basically uh it i feel like it it it, it kind of makes it less bad in my, in my opinion and um i really wonder whether it's this monologue that sold Stellan Skarsgård on the role because i think you need an actor of his caliber to deliver this there are many actors that 
would not be good enough, unfortunately. I'm sorry to say that harshly, but there are not many actors that could deliver this the way that he did. It's incredible. I also, I never meant to say contempt. I uh, content. I uh, it's uh, the contempt that he has, as opposed to content. Ah, I see. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> apologize yeah, for that. That makes more sense. Um, yeah. Okay. Also, I mean, he, when he says he says, "I am condemned." So there, I mean, there's a lot of yeah. words there that all sound the same. So I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, Silent Skarsgård. Wow, just I mean, and you can see why it's worth shouting out for someone like him because you have a, a mm. monologue a monologue like this that needs to be done so incredible job and yeah. just just i'll wrap it up really quickly because uh this is a really this is a really long one here but he ends the monologue by saying and the ego that started this fight will never have a mirror or an audience or the light of gratitude it's perfect i mean everything that we've talked about in, mm. in the past that his life means it basically means nothing at this point and he just has to build off what's for the future and so he says so what do i sacrifice everything and that's oh what an incredible ending i just i was like i had to watch this episode three times uh on the plane <laughs> just because i was on the plane and <laughs> it was it was better better every time and it, i had to yeah. i just like the first time i watched it i had to pause it i had to pause because i had no idea if that was going to end or not it turns out the episode was ending but i just i had to breathe i, I like i had to like I just couldn't believe what I was seeing on screen and listening to at the same time. And it was, it's just absolute poetry from beginning to end. And I don't think it's, there's a better way to end this episode. All right. So um, I guess, do you already have coming up over the next, what do you think is coming up in the next couple episodes? Um, I think, you know, Cassian kind of has to make his way off planet. I have no idea how he's going to accomplish that at all. I'm sure on Ferex we will see some more action. I'm sure we'll see some more Cyril. And I think also the most impo- uh, uh, yeah, interesting thing is going to be how does the ISB handle this breakout? Yeah, I think we're gonna cut to the ISB, um, you know, interrogating some of the people on on uh, Narkina Five. I think mm. um, by the end of the episode, by the end of the season, we'll get Marva's death, and I think we'll get Cyril yeah. and um, and Miro kind of collaborating in a way. Uh, I think mm-hmm. we'll also get uh, potentially, you know, Luthen and Cassian realizing they should work together or something like that. The I think we'll get some sort of conclusion to the Sinta spying on Marva Cassian um sequence uh, whether that's yeah. uh, marva dies and and luthien goes to tell cassian or Lu- cassian shows up again and something, something will happen there i think we'll end up so we'll be end up at the season i think this is my predictions marva will be dead cyril and cass uh, cyril and mira will be working together and uh, luthien and cassian will kind of be on the other camp there and then also i think we're gonna get the anto krieger attack and we're gonna get them dying maybe it'll be off screen because everything about krieger has mm-hmm. been off screen but exactly uh, it'll be funny if we just never see them the whole time we've been talking about them, but we'll find out. All right. And with that, thank you for listening. And uh, if you like the podcast, uh, give us your maximum uh, rating units on your podcast platform of choice. And also don't forget to subscribe. So you get every single episode that we release automatically in your feed for Chris. I'm Rashad. Talk to you next time. Bye.